So this morning, as you heard, we continue going verse by verse now through this letter to the Philippians. But as you might have noticed in the scripture reading, this is by far the biggest section of scripture we have covered yet in one message. So far, we have been taking in this series anywhere from between two to up to seven verses a week, but this week, we will be covering a whopping 15 verses here this morning together. But we do this for a reason, and it's, the reason is because of where we are in this letter to the Philippians. Because in the last handful of weeks, starting all the way back in 127, if you want to look there, with this idea of living as citizens worthy of the gospel, all the way through last week, chapter 2, verses 14 through 16, and all of that, we've seen a lot about how we are called to live as Christians. But now this week, essentially what we're going to see in our verses here this morning is three examples of what this all looks like. We'll see three examples of people from around 2,000 years ago who happened to live a lot like Christ and who lived a lot according to what we've been called to live in the last handful of weeks. We'll see the example of Paul himself, then of Timothy, and then finally of Epaphroditus, who was one of the Philippians himself. And as we'll see on the surface of the letter, what we're going to be seeing is Paul basically updating the Philippians about these men. But as we dive deeper into the text here this morning, what we'll see is that what's really going on here is that these men are each examples of Christ for us. And that's why we'll cover all three of them in one week. Which leads us to our outline of how we're going to go through this text together here this morning. So we're going to split up our time together into two major parts, just two major parts. First, we're going to go through each of these men one by one and see the example they have for us. So we'll go through Paul, then Timothy, and then Epaphroditus. So that'll be our first point, their example for us, and that'll be the major point of our time this morning. But then, in terms of the second part of the message, we'll after that go briefly back to each of these men And we're going to ask, what fueled them to be such examples? And we do this because it's not only important for us to see who these men were and how they were examples, but we want to see what fueled them, how they became such examples for us. And so that's our outline, two major parts. First, how each of these fellow Christians is an example of Christ for us. And then second, we'll see what fueled each of them. Yet before we even do that and dig into Philippians 2 here, we need to briefly give ourselves an important reminder before we start a message like this. Because if we don't, a lot of this could fall on deaf ears. And that's the reminder that these men that we're going to look at, Paul, Timothy, and Epaphroditus, were not only fellow Christians who just happened to live 2,000 years ago, but we really need to know and believe that these were truly normal people just like you and me. And I say that as we start because let's be honest. So often when we read the Bible for ourselves, maybe in our own Bible time, or when we hear about people in the Bible preach, so often we can subtly think that they don't really apply to us. And why? Because we can so easily think that these are just some vague characters in some old book, or even more, we can often think of them as just especially holy people who have little to do with 21st century sinners like us. But there's two places in the Bible that caution us to make sure we don't think that way. 
First and most famously, you might know, is James chapter 5, where the Bible is talking about the prophet Elijah, the prophet Elijah who did a lot of miracles, and the Bible says this, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. In other words, the Bible goes out of its way to let us know, don't read the stories of Elijah in the Old Testament and think he wasn't like you. He was like you. If he was here, he'd just be one of us. And this is reiterated again in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 14, but this time it's from Paul himself. And this comes at a place when Paul and Barnabas are evangelizing and they perform a miracle. And as a result, the people really start to look up to them and even start to worship them. But Paul says this to them in response. Why are you doing these things? We also are men of like nature with you and we bring you good news. In other words, Paul, the one who wrote this letter to the Philippians, wanted them and he wants us to know, I'm no different than you. Don't exalt me. Don't lift me up. I'm just like you. I just bring you good news. And so that's important for us to remember this morning about Paul himself, but also about Timothy and Epaphroditus. Yes, they are going to be examples for us here. But let's not space out now because we think they're nothing like me. That's just not true. These were people like us. There were men who struggled with sin, who were fearful at times, who got distracted at times, who each had their own weaknesses. And so this means that the only reason then that we'll be talking about them this morning is because God's grace worked in them in a way that enabled them to live uniquely like Christ. And this applies to us here this morning because the same God and the same grace of God can enable us to live a little more like Christ as well. So now with all that said, let's begin our first section this morning, looking at their examples for us. And as we said, we will start with the Apostle Paul. And for this, we'll be reading verses 16 through 18 of Philippians 2. So look down at your Bible. We're going to be rereading verses 16 through 18. Holding fast to the word of of life, so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. Even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. So there's a couple things to note about Paul in these verses here. To begin, notice that Paul is looking forward to the day of Christ meaning the day when Jesus come back, and he says that his goal is to make sure that he may, quote, be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. What he's doing here is he's just referencing Isaiah 49.4, where the prophet Isaiah says that because of the Israelites' disbelief, he did labor in vain. And so Paul is saying his hope is that the Philippians will continue to trust in the gospel so that when Jesus comes back, he'll see that all his love for them wasn't in vain. Or to say it most simply, he'll see that all his effort and love towards them was worth it. So that's the point of verse 16. But then Paul continues in verses 17 and 18, giving us a glimpse into how he really loved this church. And if you look down there in verse 17, you can see he uses his example of pouring himself out as a drink offering alongside the offering of their faith. And obviously that sounds confusing to us at first, but all you need to know is that Paul is using an illustration from the Old Testament sacrificial system here. 
And in the Old Testament, the drink offering was poured out, the libation was poured out alongside the main offering. And so if you look there in verse 17, the point that Paul is saying is that even if he is poured out as a drink offering alongside the sacrificial offering of their faith, meaning even if he himself is poured out, pours himself out for their faith, then it's worth it. And not only is it worth it, but he rejoices in that. And so that quickly is Paul's example in verses 16 and 18. And as he said, we will come back in our second part of the message and see what fueled him to be like this. But for now, in summary, what do we see when we look at Paul's example? Well, we see someone who cared a lot about the Philippians and their faith. And he cared so much about their faith that he was willing to pour himself out for them. And in this way, what we see here is Paul be like Christ. Because you may remember that this pouring out idea was one of the main characteristics of Jesus in that poem in verses 6 through 11 of chapter 2. Because there in verse 11, the Bible said that Jesus emptied himself, meaning Jesus poured himself out for us and our salvation. And so what Paul's essentially doing here is just following in his Lord's footsteps. Jesus poured himself out for him, so now Paul goes and pours himself out for others. And specifically, and you can see the emphasis on this in 17 and 18, Paul says he joyfully pours himself out for others because he knows that it's all worth it. And this applies to us because this means that what we see here in Paul is a special sacrificial love and a special joy. And on that, we all want joy like that. Right? We all want happiness. And to be clear, this is not a bad thing to want happiness. God is the originator of happiness and joy. And to seek happiness and joy is a good thing. And yet, have you ever considered that what maybe might bring you more joy, more happiness and fulfillment, is pouring yourself out for others? especially pouring yourself out for the faith of others, for the growth in Christ of others, like those of us here in this church at ECC. Because that's what the Bible is telling us here in the example of Paul. There's a special joy in praying for, striving for, serving others, and doing so with the goal and the prayer that they may grow in Christ. And so may we strive to be similar to Paul, our brother in Christ here, pouring ourselves out for the good of others and even for our joy. But now that leads us to consider the next example in our text. So that's Paul, but now we move on to the example of Timothy. And this will be in verses 19 through 24. And on this, though, even before we read the paragraph... Just know that what we're about to see here is Paul is telling the Philippians that he's going to send Timothy to them. He's going to send Timothy to them. But as he does so, notice how he puts forth Timothy as an example. So look down in your Bibles. This is verses 19 through 24 of Philippians 2. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, so that I too may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. For they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father he served with me in the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me. 
And I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. So to begin about Timothy, let's just start with what's said in verse 22 there. Because there we see that Timothy is called Paul's son, while Paul is called Timothy's father. And I point this out because this is a recurring biblical idea. And the idea is that one person in the faith disciples another person in it. And in that way becomes their spiritual parent. This is true of Timothy and Paul. And as a quick application for us, This means that the Bible teaches that the more we grow mature in the faith, the more we grow older in the faith, we should be seeking to be discipling and helping people newer in the faith grow in Christ. But also notice this about all that. And this is another thing that makes Christianity so different than many other religions and ideas and cults. And that's that although Timothy and Paul have this father-son relationship, you can see that, Notice that Paul surprisingly says that Timothy serves, quote, with me in the gospel in verse 22. With me. And I point this out because so often in the business world or in other religions and cults, when you train somebody like that, you do so because you are over them. Right? And therefore they start to serve under you, but not so in the gospel. Yes, we are to disciple and help and love and train one another, but it's, it's because we serve Christ with one another, alongside one another. And why? Because we're all equal sinners in need of a Savior. And we serve Him together. So that's verse 22. But that then leads us to what is said about Timothy in 20 and 21. And here's where Timothy is such an example for us. So again, there Paul says, I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare, for they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. And as you can see, concerning Timothy, these are some high words of praise. To begin, he says in verse 20, I have no one like him. And why? Because apparently he knows that Timothy will, quote, be genuinely concerned for your welfare. In other words, Timothy was somebody who genuinely loved. And that word genuinely didn't need to be there. It's emphatic and it means sincerely, truly, genuinely. In other words, Paul is saying that Timothy truly, authentically, genuinely loved. He cared for the welfare, for the good of other people. And why did he care? Verse 21, because he didn't just seek his own interests, but those of Jesus Christ. And just as Paul previously was an example of pouring himself out like Christ, and that brought us back to Philippians 2.7, now this example of Timothy, you might see, brings us back to Philippians 2.4. Because there, you might remember from a few weeks ago, we saw the Bible instruct us famously Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. So now what do we see here? We see an example of that in Timothy. Timothy wasn't just concerned about his own interests. No, he genuinely cared for others. And that does show us then that the command that we went over for a while weeks ago in 2.4 about really caring for others' interests isn't just some religious ideal, (laughs) It really is possible. It really is possible to be somebody. We're not talking about perfection, but it really is possible to be somebody who by God's grace genuinely cares for other people. Because Timothy was like that. Remember, he's just a person like you and me. And so looking at Timothy's example, the call for us is to be people who strive to genuinely, 
authentically, truly care for one another. So that's Timothy's example, but that now finally leads us to the last example in Epaphroditus. This will be verses 25 and 30. And what we're going to see here is that Paul is not only going to send Timothy to the Philippians, but he's also going to send Epaphroditus as well. And in terms of who Epaphroditus was, even before we read this, we don't know as much about him as we know about Timothy. We know his name comes from the Greek goddess Aphrodite. You might have seen that. And so that means that his parents almost certainly were Greeks, and Epaphroditus probably was a Greek convert to Christianity. And we also know about Epaphroditus from Philippians 4.18, that Epaphroditus is the one who brought a gift from the Philippians to Paul. And so what's interesting is Epaphroditus was probably a member of the Philippian church. And so with that said, let's now read more about him in verses 25 through 30 and see how he's an example for us. This is Philippians 2, verses 25 through 30. I've thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier and your messenger and minister to my need. For he's been longing for you all and he has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill, near to death, but God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I'm the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again, and that I may be less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with all joy and honor such men, for he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. So it's three quick things we can see about Epaphroditus here. First, notice Paul gives Epaphroditus five titles in just verse 25. Five titles. Three of them relate to Paul. Paul, Epaphroditus is my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier. And then two of them relate to the Philippians. Epaphroditus is your messenger and minister to my need. So that's the first thing. Second, though, along with this, we can see that Epaphroditus, probably on his journey from Philippi to Paul almost died. See that in verses 27 and 28. Because there, Paul makes it clear that Epaphroditus was, quote, near to death. But God had mercy on him. Which, as Paul says, saved him from a lot of sorrow because Paul loved Epaphroditus. And that leads us, though, to the last thing and the most amazing thing, honestly, that we see about Epaphroditus here. And that's how, in the midst of almost dying, And being really sick, what Epaphroditus longed for and what he was distressed about was how the Philippians were doing. You can see that for yourself in verse 26. Epaphroditus is ill. He almost dies, but he's distressed because he heard the Philippians heard about it and he wanted to make sure that they were okay. (laughs) Isn't that amazing? And so now as a result of this, he's going back to the Philippians in in verses 29 through 30. You see that the Philippians are supposed to receive him in the Lord with all joy and to honor such men. So that's Epaphroditus. He longed for and was distressed for others. He wasn't mainly concerned with just his own situation, but about others. He loved them. And he almost died for the work of Christ. He was, quote, near to death. And it's here, too, that now we see another similarity to Jesus. And I think Paul probably intended for us to see this. Because if you remember, again, in the paragraph about Jesus in verses 6 through 11, it famously said that Jesus humbled himself, quote, to the point of death. 
And so now here again with Epaphroditus, we see him just following in Jesus' example. Because Epaphroditus was, quote, near to death. The only difference is that God decided to have mercy on him. So that's Epaphroditus' example for us. He worked hard for, he loved, and he longed for others. And now with all these three men covered, you can start to see a thread between all three of them. Paul poured himself out for others. Timothy genuinely cared about others. And now Epaphroditus almost died for Christ, but even in that, he still longed for others. And so these three men were Christ-centered people, and what that then led to was them pouring themselves out for, genuinely caring for, longing for others. And as we've been saying, these men then are an example for us. But also on this, it is good for us here to realize that this is what the early leaders of the church were like. And this is also what the early church as a whole strove to be like. And what did it look like? Yes, these people were people who really trusted in and believed the reality of the gospel, that we are saved by Christ, by faith alone. But then along with that, we see in the Bible that these people in the early church, by God's grace, were very loving people. Really loving people. Because again, that's what we see with Paul, with Timothy, and with Epaphroditus here. Yes, these men were men who were serious about the gospel. They feared the Lord and they didn't waver on the truth. But also, these were men of genuine love. It's just emphasized over and over and over. They poured themselves out. They were people who in the midst of a world of fakes genuinely loved people. And their people, in the midst of whatever circumstances they were in, longed for others. And again, I think these men represented what the early church strove to be like. And it's no wonder then that this faith spread all over the world. Not only because it's true, which it is, and Jesus rose from the dead, but also because while some religions, like Islam, for example, mainly are about about adherence and submission and obedience, and while other religions... Unfortunately, like mainline Christianity these days, they're all just about sentimental love without much reality or truth. Here in our text, we get to see that Christianity beautifully combines both. Because here we get a glimpse into the early Christians, even the early Christian leaders. And what were they like? People of solid faith and truth and the reality of the gospel and people of sacrifice and love and genuine care. And that needs to be us as well. So that's these three men and their examples. But now that leads us to the second part of our message. This will be a bit quicker, but what we're going to do now is we're going to go back to each one of these men and see how they were like this. Or to say it again another way, what fueled these men to be such Christ-like examples of love? So that said, let's start again with Paul. For this, turn back to 2, 16 through 18, but specifically we're just going to read 2, 16 through 17 again. We'll read it one more time. Holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ, I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. Even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice 
with you all. So ask yourself this. In this text, what fueled Paul? What does he say enabled him, inspired him to pour himself out for others? Well, to begin, he was able to do it because it gave him joy to see others progress in the faith. You see that in verse 17 where he talked about that. But also, notice again the kind of strange thing he says in verse 16. We already talked about how Paul wants to be sure that his labor wasn't his vain, that, that it was all worth it. But that's not all he says there. Also, notice his emphasis on this happening, quote, in the day of Christ, which is the day when Jesus comes back. Verse 16, so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. And so what's fueling Paul here? What is enabling him to pour himself out for others and even finding joy in doing so? It's that he looked forward to the day that one day Jesus really was going to come back. He really is going to come back. Again, you can see that in verse 16. The logic is the day of Christ is coming and Paul knows it and that fuels him to live differently and specifically it fuels him to pour himself out for the Philippians. And why? Because he knows that his love for them matters. All because he knows one day Jesus is going to come back and he's going to see on that day that all of his pouring himself out and all of his love for them was worth it. So that's what's fueled Paul here. He really believed and looked forward to the day when Jesus was going to come back. But one last thing on this. If you remember, this phrase, the day of Christ, also came up in one of the most famous verses in the whole book of Philippians, which we covered all the way back in week one together. And that's Philippians 1.6, where Paul famously promises, and I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. And we talked about this back then, weeks ago, that the point we saw is that our final salvation is complete, not just when we go to heaven, but when Jesus comes back to this earth, makes everything right again, and our bodies are resurrected, then our salvation will be finally complete. So that's Philippians 1.6. But I bring that up now because here now in Philippians 2.16, Paul uses that same phrase, day of Christ, and it shows us another reason to look forward to that day. And that's because on that day, again, we will see that all of our labor of love, all of our pouring ourselves out for others was worth it. And so let's keep that in mind too when we look forward to the day of Christ and it will stir us to become more people of love. So that's Paul. He was fueled by looking forward to the day, the historical coming of Jesus Christ. But now let's look again at Timothy. So if you remember in verse 20, we're told that Timothy is an example because, quote, he will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. And that's a big statement. So the question is, how did Timothy become like that? Or again, what fueled Timothy to be someone who didn't just care about himself, but genuinely cared for others. Well, for this answer, let's read verses 20 and 21 one more time. So look down at your Bible, Philippians 2, 20 and 21. For I have no one like him, like Timothy, who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. For they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. And it's here where we get to see what really fueled Timothy. 
And it's honestly fascinating how Paul wrote this. See it for yourself. Verse 20, Timothy genuinely cares for others. We get that. And then the first half of verse 21, it says that Timothy is like this because he isn't someone who cares just for his own interests. But then the second half of verse 21 there is the key. And it's interesting because you'd expect Paul to write, Timothy will be generally concerned for your welfare, for, he to, for they all seek their own interests, not those of others. Right? Because that would make sense. Because that would be saying that Timothy genuinely cares for others because he seeks the interests of others. And although that's obviously true, notice that is not what Paul wrote in verse 21. Instead, the Bible says, Timothy genuinely cared for others because while other people seek their own interests, they don't seek the interests of Jesus Christ. And so, according to Paul, who knew Timothy really well, what fueled Timothy? What inspired him? What enabled him to genuinely care for others? Well, apparently, Timothy was someone who, above all, cared about what Jesus cared about. He cared about Jesus' interests. That's exactly what the Bible says, and that's what enabled him, apparently, to love others well. And that's fascinating because this is how the Bible talks about it over and over. If you want to be someone who really loves people well, It does start with loving God, with loving Jesus, with caring about what Jesus cares about. And then as you do this, and you become more like Jesus, more like our God of love, you will love others better. That's why the two commandments that Jesus gives, the two main commandments are first, love God, and second, then love others. The order matters, as it did for Timothy. We love our God, we trust him, we care about what he cares about, and then that'll fuel us to then go and love others. So that's Timothy, what fueled him, but now that finally leads us back to Epaphroditus. And if you remember, Epaphroditus was a man who was a sacrificial messenger who did his job in such a way that he nearly died for Christ, all while maintaining his love for the Philippians. And so what fueled him? What enabled him to be such a loving worker and messenger? Well, for this, let's now reread just the last two verses of Philippians 2, verses 29 and 30. So receive him, Epaphroditus, in the Lord with all joy, and honor such men. For he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. So think of the situation here. Paul is right now with Epaphroditus, and he's about to send him back to the Philippians. And this, by the way, is how Paul knows about what has happened to Epaphroditus, because he's with him, and Paul has told him, and Epaphroditus has told him. So now ask yourself this. How might Epaphroditus describe everything he's done? What might he call what he's been engaged in? To say it another way, what might Epaphroditus say to Paul as to why he traveled from Philippi to Paul, or why he so loved the Philippians, or why he risked his life? I think a hint is there in verse 30. The answer is because Epaphroditus knew that ultimately what he was engaged in was, quote, the work of Christ. Christ's work. 
And so this means that Epaphroditus was doing all these things. As he was doing all these things, he wasn't mainly, ultimately doing them just for Paul or for the Philippians, although he really did love them. Instead, he understood that above all, he was working, he was doing for Christ. And that's then what fueled him. What fueled Epaphroditus? Yes, he was a man of love. Yes, he was a soldier, a worker, and a messenger for Paul and for the Philippians. But ultimately, he worked for Christ. And just like Timothy, it's working for Christ that then enabled him to work well for others. So that's our text here in Philippians 2, 16 through 30. We saw three people. Paul, Epaphroditus, and Timothy, who, as we said, remember, are people just like you and me. And yet, as we said, they are each examples for us. Paul was an example of pouring himself in love for others. Timothy was an example of genuinely caring for others. And Epaphroditus is an example of someone who sacrificed and longed for others. So that was their example for us. But then we also saw what fueled them. Paul was fueled by looking forward to the day of Christ. Timothy was fueled by being concerned with Jesus' interests. And Epaphroditus was fueled by seeing his work, not just his work for the Philippians or for Paul, but it was work for Christ. So that's these three men, their examples, and what fueled them. But that then leads us to our final takeaway here this morning. And if it's one thing, really, we could remember from all of this, this is what I want us to leave with. And it's this. Did you notice that above all, what fueled each of these men was something that had to do with Jesus? It's pretty amazing when you look at it. And it's this that we need to walk away with. Because think of it. Paul was fueled not mainly by just trying to love people. Instead, he really looked forward to the day when Jesus would come back, and that's what enabled him to pour himself out for others. And Timothy was fueled not just by trying to love people as well. Instead, above all, the Bible says he loved and cared for Jesus' interests, and that's what enabled him to love others genuinely. And finally, Epaphroditus didn't just serve and work for others. Instead, he knew he was engaged in the work of Christ. And so this, I believe, is our big takeaway this morning. If we want to be men and women of God, if we want to be people who genuinely care for others, if we want to be like Christ in any sort of way, then we must be people who really let Christ define who we are. We must be people who are all about Jesus And I know when you hear something like that, it can sound so vague. But that's why I hope this text today is so helpful to all of us. Because definitively, being all about Jesus was not vague for these three men. Because Paul did look forward to the day when Jesus would come back. And Timothy really did care about Jesus' interests. And Epaphroditus really did know he worked for Christ. And these things really affected their lives. And the same could be true for us if we let Jesus define our lives more and more. And so as we close, I encourage you to take each of these examples, each of these fuels, and apply them to your life. And so when it comes to your cares and interests, to what you care about, don't just say, I want to be someone who cares about people. Amen. That is true. But above all, 
say, I'm a follower of the risen, loving Jesus, and I want to care about what he cares about. And then amazingly, like Timothy, you'll start to not only love Jesus more, but others more as well. And then when it comes to your purpose in life, your purpose in life, don't just think that you're a man or a woman or a husband or a wife, a father or a mother, a child or a worker, and then in all of that you just happen to be a Christian. Instead, see your purpose, all the work that you do, everything at home, at work, at school, wherever you are, let all of it ultimately be working for Christ, doing for Christ. And so like Epaphroditus, let the fact that you work, that you do for Christ, define everything you do. And then finally, when it comes to why you do all that you do, don't just think that there's no purpose, that we just got to do what we got to do for no reason. Instead, let what fueled Paul fuel you. Be a person who with joy says, I know Jesus is coming back. And so I live for him And I love others with that day in mind. Because, brothers and sisters, that day is coming. And then not only will Jesus bring our work to completion, but also, as we've been saying, it's on that day that we will know for sure that all of our work for Christ and all of our love for others was worth it. And so, church, let's take these three men and their examples and emulate them. But as we do so, Let's not just do it because it's right or it's moral. Instead, let's emulate these men specifically because these men were so focused on Jesus. They loved Jesus. They lived and worked for Jesus. They looked forward to the day when Jesus would come back. And being like that, Jesus then enabled them to be men of God and people of love. And so may we each leave here today and strive to be more and more Jesus-defined people. Also that by his grace, we may go out and love others well for their good, for our joy, and for God's glory. Amen? Amen, Amen, church. Let's pray.